Stark sprang forward with his short sword in his hand, but it slashed through nothing but air. Bagadin had moved inhumanly fast. Zarks held the sword at his side, ready for a counter. Bagadin looked at him, amused, his eyes glowing with magic. Of course, Zarks said, blasted witchcraft. I will ignore that for the sake of the lean, but the day draws near. Consider his words carefully. Cern your armies and none will be harmed. Alim is not so unjust to spare you for a price, Bagadin looked around the prison. Your actions determine the fate of many lives. Weigh his words. Present a white flag along with your armies when we reach you. Bagadin flew off into the darkness in a burst of flames. Zark rubbed his arms and sighed. He was used to tough situations, but he knew Alanias, and he himself would never accept an offer that involved sending their people to certain death. Their actions in the past war had proven that sentiment. Alanias will not be pleased, Zark said, his voice echoing in the empty prison. He whistled, and his silver talons emerged from their hiding places around the prison. Do you think he saw us? One asked Zarks. I don't believe he did. Did you get a good look at him? He is Ashenborn, a second soldier said. Zark shook his head, wondering what was going on. Where is Derek? Zarks barked, looking around. He was called to Ayash. The Ashenborn summoned him, the first soldier said. Zarks rubbed his temples. That can't be good, he thought. Derek could be in danger. It might be too late by the time a bird reached him, Zarks pondered aloud. By association, do you think Derek has something to do with this? Bagadin is a known Ashenborn, the second Silvertown said. Zark shook his head. I have no reason to distrust him, but he needs to know about this one called Bagadin and what he proposes. Zarks waved one of his men over. Bring me a bird, he commanded. The man bowed and ran down the path towards the castle. Even if it may not take make it in time, I must try. For now, Derek needs to know what has transpired. He may wield magic, but he is loyal to the crown. What about Bagadin? the soldier asked. After the bird was procured and the letter sealed, Zarks called his men back. Wait, rip the letter apart and burn it. I have another idea. He looked down at the small shard of glass that Derek had given to him and paused before answering the soldier. As for Bagadin, there is not much to be done at this moment. Following him is not possible, as much as I would like to. Zarks presumed that Bagadin would not care if he followed him or even that Zarks knew who he was. He had made the feeling clear enough by showing his face and revealing his name. They're not afraid of us anymore. He revealed himself to me as if it were nothing, Zarks said. It is possible that more of them are nearby. I want every available silver talon combing the forest, outlying villages, and even houses within Lifesvale. Zarks commanded. Anything found is to be reported to me immediately. Tanemian attacks are becoming more frequent. I sense they are trying to test our defenses. The Silver Talons took their leave, heading off to do his bidding. He continued down the path to the castle, accompanied by four guards. As Zarks touched the surface of the mirror, its edges began to vibrate, and the glass itself looked like water rippling on the surface. Let us hope that Derek's magic works, he muttered to himself. Chapter 7. Old Gods Choose Anew Taloria, the great temple, stood glorious, gloriously against the sunrise, the golden tendrils of the sun giving it a pearlescent glow. The temple soared into the air, standing upon walls of overlaid brick and stone. Only the finest materials decorated it, through, though vine had begun to climb up its sides, reaching towards the sun. It was surrounded by rivers and massive red bark trees, its presence imperial compared to the overgrowth of nature around it. At its tallest tower was the dragon reach, a large gated door of purest metals now opening, awaiting its guests. Derek flew slowly downward into the open mouth of the castle, tired from his long flight. 
Ayash looked like as radiant as the day it was constructed, he thought. He landed silently on the metal door, making no noise despite his sharp claws. He turned his large head to see a bald man with short, milky white beard walking towards him. A large scar reaching from the man's right brow to his lower cheek could barely be seen on his dark skin. Albion was the leader of the Ashenborn and the Order's greatest protector. Albion, Derek said as soon as he was no longer in dragon form. Albion smiled kindly. It's good to see you again, Derek. He spoke in a surprisingly deep voice. Derek rose halfway from a bow, almost stretching. I've tried to contact each of you. I have much. I'll be explained soon, he interrupted. News and questions should be saved until the council is gathered. Derek paused. Yes, of course. Albion motioned him inside the castle. I apologize for my rudeness, old friend. These are troublesome times. There's much to keep my mind occupied. Derek knew the statement to be true. It is no issue. I apologize for speaking out of turn, Albion smiled. Your dwelling has been suitably prepared. Others will be arriving soon enough. Everyone will be summoned when we are to meet at the eve of the day. Derek grasped Albion's shoulder before walking past him. Thank you, he said. He looked at the familiar ruby red walls and followed the stairs downward, his steps echoing. Torches lined the walls, making it both bright and warm. Albion disappeared behind him without another word. I don't remember so many stairs, Derek said to himself. As he exited the stairway, he entered his chambers, an ancient study with a large fireplace. He closed the door behind him. A large serpentine dragon was carved into its chimney. Its tail wound around the chimney and its mouth opened at the bottom where the fire burned. Its popping, crackling noise made him feel tired. He ignored the scrolls and books he had collected and sat down on a comfortable wooden chair. A knock came at the door. Enter, Derek said. The door opened. Uriel, Derek said, and motioned the man inside. The man who entered had a neatly trimmed beard, hair, and was large in stature. He grinned with delight. I apologize for bothering you, Derek. I have been waiting for your arrival and wish to speak with you, Uriel said. Uriel was younger than Derek, but showed great wisdom and courage for his age. Uriel was also strong, but always kind to others. This was the quality Derek liked most about him. He did for others before himself. Any inquiry made by him had to be serious. It is no trouble, Derek motioned toward an empty chair. Please sit. Uriel complied, straightening his cloak as he sat. It is good to see you again, my friend, Derek said. Ural nodded. And you, Elder, he looked around the study. I find it appropriate that you have scrolls and artifacts in your dwellings. Most of the others possess jewelry or weapons, nothing so. He paused, searching for the right word. Fragile? Derek asked. Ural shook his head. Wisdom-filled, maybe. Words of knowledge. Derek folded his hands. There is value hidden in words. Treasures are easily obtained. Ural chuckled. As I know to be true. What do you wish to speak about? Derek asked. Uriel immediately became serious. He looked over his shoulder with a guarded gaze before speaking. Did you have any trouble contacting the rest of our kin before being summoned here? Uriel spoke in an urgent tone. Yes, I tried to contact the others multiple times, Derek responded. Uriel shook his head. Perhaps it is nothing, but I feel something is going on that we do not quite know. The Tanims have seen prisoners escaped or have been seen, prisoners also have escaped. Ural rubbed his nose, and the death of Archyrus, Derek added, all of these in a few days of one another. Derek had to lean in closely to hear Ural's next words. Yes, it doesn't add up. Bastion Board should have been a presence more than ever now. Lady Huakama even is astounded at the lack of action. Is she here? Derek asked. No, Ural shifted in his chair. 
I'm here to represent Edwin and Hohokamas instead as she holds the throne until convened otherwise. What are you saying, Derek asked, wondering what Ural is thinking. Ural put his hands on his knees. Something is going on with the Ashenborn. Their lack of action suggests it. And you know the rules. We cannot actively declare war without Albion's say-so. I understand there are decisions to be made and councils to hold before we act, but you're the silence and now. Ural looked as if he were in pain, finally saying, I've heard rumors of the Ashenborn's intention from Huakama. They mean to take Yadir for themselves, to profiteer from these disturbing times. Derek looked at him with concern. Have you discussed this with anyone else? No, just Hoakama and myself. Derek slowly stood. If there is something truly going on, we must act as if we have no suspicion of it, he said. Derek stretched and turned towards his friend. I believe and trust you, Uriel. I admit I have been confused by the action of the Ashenborn of late. However, we do not have much proof at the moment. Perhaps they have... They are having us meet to discuss and explain. Uriel nodded, but said, Maybe. You can never tell. Something is shifting. I can feel it. Derek's sword suddenly glowed with white light. He drew it immediately and looked at the blade. The face of Zarx looked back at him awkwardly. Derek, he said flatly. Zarx? Zarx squinted, trying to see the area around Derek. Are you secure enough to speak with me? Derek looked at Uriel, motioning him to be quiet. Yes, what is it, General? Zark shifted, uncomfortable with this method of communication. Do you know of an Ashenborn by the name of Bagadin? Ural narrowed his eyes. Yes, he is our leader. Albion's right-hand man, Derek said. Zark's pursed his lips. He's working alongside the Tanemian. He made me an offer just now on behalf of Alim. He wished for me to rule Lifeswell in exchange for my allegiance and to betray the crown. Ural and Derek's gazes met. You're sure it was Bagadin? Zarks gave a description that left no doubt it had been Bagadin who had spoken to him. He did not seem to care that I knew his name. He used his own title. Derek looked very troubled. Please keep me informed. I appreciate that you were willing to tell me of this, considering I am an Ayash. I have to make preparations for the kingdom. Just be advised of our situation. There is no telling who is our ally and who is our enemy now, Zark said. Thank you, General, Derek said, ending the connection. Your general can be trusted, I take it, Ural asked as Derek put his blade away. Yes, he is, has no reason to lie to me. Bagadin, they looked at each other. If something is indeed going on, Zarek's, Derek whispered, Bagadin has an accomplice and he is Albion's second in command. A servant called from outside with summons to the council room. Derek was sure he saw an unfamiliar look of anger in Ural's eyes. Albion could very well be an accomplice. Or he may have no knowledge whatsoever of Bagadin's intentions, Derek warned. Do not be hasty. Zarks looked curiously at the man before him, Tritus, of some village he could not remember. Was not of royal birth, but had set out to become a guard of the light prison. Zarks admired the man's efforts and demeanor despite the wound that crippled him. Zarks examined the man carefully. This was the man who could give him more answers about those who had freed the prisoners. He looked at the wound that had caused Tritus to lose his arm just below the elbow, a cost he had incurred because he wished to protect others. Zark's eyes fell into the van brace on Tritus's upper arm. He recognized it, noticing the weaving of Ashenborn. Zark's knowledge of the Ashenborn was limited, but he knew a fragment dwelled beneath Tritus's skin, the van brace merely a covering for something of greater value. Zark's calmly placed his elbows on the table in front of him. Tritus looked nervous. Zarks relaxed his stern demeanor in an effort to calm him. Lysville owes you much, not only for what you did, but for what you continued to do. Most would have given up and left to retire while there's fight, yet here you remain. 
Zark smiled. You inspire Alan Ice, myself and our men with your determination. Try to thank him dutifully. I'm glad to be alive. I am lucky. Zark's agreed. However, there's more you can do for Lifesville. Try to lean forward. Yes, General. I want you to show me what Elder Derek has taught you. He looked at him inquiringly. You mean the magic, Travis said. Zarks nodded. I would like to know your capabilities and how you can protect others. Tritus looked uncomfortable. I have not been able to control it very well, he said, reaching to rub his arm. Even so, I wish to see it. This is an order, Zarks said. He sighed and stood up from the table, eyeing the place his right arm used to be. If you required of me. The air in the room felt humid, and Zarks felt his chest shake. The veins in Tritus's temples bulged, and perspiration drenched his forehead. Shards of orange and yellow flame flaked from Trius's healed wound. The stream of magic extended into fingers of fire, lengthening and forming into a recognizable shape, ending in fingers and a thumb. Tritus flexed his glowing arm, forming a fist for a moment. He continued to strain, his muscles twitching. With each movement, a flare of fire erupted from around his arm. Zark stood and walked over to him, gesturing him to hold it out for him to see better. He reached out and stopped when the temperature would not allow him to get any closer. Impressive, Zark said, pulling his hand back. Does this mean you're an Ashenborn now? He asked. Yes and no. Derek believes the Shard will be able to power this particular magic, but it will not likely allow me to become a dragon. This is the limit of it then, Zark said, almost seeming unimpressed. Well, Trias said, Derek said I would be able to conjure swords with practice. As you can see, I struggle to hold this simplicity of arm right now. He pointed with his left hand at the flares of fire forming from his right hand. Excuse me. Derek believes there is a small chance I could become Ashenborn completely with time, seeing as I do not normally use magic. Zarks looked in deep thought. Are you of royal blood, he asked. No, Tritus said. Interesting. Tritus released the magic and the arm disappeared. It's hard to use a muscle you've never used before, Tritus said. Zarks folded his arms. I consider you still one of my men, even though you've chosen to be what you are. I have a request of you specifically. What is it? Trius said. I want you to be my second in command. Deimos is gone, and I need someone I can trust or rely on to get things done that I cannot. I serve the crown and you, General Zarks, Tritus said respectfully. Even if it's against the direct order of the king, Zarks asked, searching his face with his eyes. Tritus looked at him strangely. There may be a point where you must follow my orders, even if they do not fall in line with the king's wishes. I do not ask that you openly disobey Alanais, but if I tell you to do something, you will do it. Do you agree? He asked again sternly. Tritus looked conflicted at the request, finally replying with yes. Good, Zark said. First, I want you to become efficient at your uh, hand magic. We will have need of it. Magic itself is becoming a powerful factor in our world again. Magic, outside of the Ashenborn even. I would be a fool to not acknowledge its place in this world. Zark's turn. Meet at the former light prison at the mid of night tomorrow. Yes, sir, Tritus said. And Tritus, Zark says with the edge in his voice, bring a blade with you. I do not want to place my trust in something not perfected yet. Zark's left him alone with his thoughts. Tritus could not help but wonder what Zark's had intended for that night. Slothiel laughed as he threw water at Kordok. Kordok grimaced at the cold. Slothiel felt sluggish from the cooked meat they had eaten early, earlier. The Gabalitian River is colder than I remember, Kordok said. Slothiel stood up and looked down the river. Ahead of him, the river curved, hiding what lay before them. The river behind them was moderately straight. The path they come visible. <coughs> Excuse me. There could be some symbolic meaning in here. 
This is a feel thought, but he disregarded the idea as being too philosophical. Kordak froze in place, his back going rigid. He turned, brother, what is it? Salafiel asked. His brother didn't answer immediately, making him frantic. Kordak began to shape his mouth firmly shut. Brother, Salafiel mm-hmm. said, even more alarmed. He ran towards Kordak, the water slowing his progress. Kordak's eyes shone a magical blue, and his mouth opened as he continued to shake. The window's speak fell from his pocket and splashed into the water. Salafiel narrowly managed to grab it. He placed it into his pocket, still moving towards Kordok. Kordok, he said, grabbing his brother by the shoulders and shaking him. He had heard of the seizures, but had never seen one firsthand. Sapphire blue fires poured from Kordok's mouth, making Slothiel jump back in shock. The flames engulfed Kordok, leaving a white aura around his body. Slothiel yelled in surprise. The crack of the flames continued to engulf Kordok, sending out a wind that made the completion churn. Slothiel righted himself and shielded his eyes. The flames hissed and expanded. Tongues of fire and a wisp of smoke emitted from the fire surrounding Kordok. Crackling smoke emitted from the fire surrounding him. Sorry. Crackling of what sounded like thunder made it hard to not wince. Slothiel in despair scooped some water and threw it on the fire, but it only caused the fire to spark higher and higher. The white aura faded and the fires began to take a larger form, now torrents instead of flickers. Slothiel stood by feeling helpless, trying to think of what to do. He strained to call upon his magic, but nothing happened. Eventually, wings emerged from the inferno and a long topaz tail flailed back and forth, scales of Chris cobalt and lapis lazuli clearly visible. The flames seemed to shatter as scale and muscle emerged. Pearl-white spikes erupted from the scales. The creature's wings were brightly formed and membranes of shade of tourmaline. As the flames faded, the form of the dragon began to appear. Sloth realized what was happening, but instinctively he drew his sword. The form grew bigger and bigger until a massive hulk of scales and muscles stood over him. The thick neck of the dragon glistened and glittered. As the last of the fire dispelled, Slothiel saw an enormous monster standing before him. The dragon roared a guttural roar, making Slothiel cover his eyes. The horse-like head of the dragon turned to look at him. Its eyes glowed a light blue color. The pupil slit. It had two solid horns and flaps on its cheeks, much like a fish fin on either side. The thin membrane of its eyelid blinked, and it bared its teeth and of smoke drifting from its mouth. The dragon was di- big indeed. With glittering blue scales and pearlescent teeth and claws, it stood massive in comparison to Slothiel, who looked at it with wide eyes. The muscular frame bulged as the dragon flapped its wings and walked out of the river onto the shore. Slothiel stood still, not sure what to do. Should he run? Should he approach the dragon he thought was his brother? Kordok? He asked hesitantly. The dragon snorted, and a puff of smoke rose from its nostrils, dissipating in the air. Yes, the familiar voice's brother said, though it sounded gruffer with some more volume and depth than a human voice would have. The dragon's lips curled into what Slothiel thought could quite possibly be a smile. Who else? It questioned. The dragon showed all of its jagged teeth, causing Slothiel to step back. Elder Derek mentioned this would happen. I didn't think it would happen so abruptly, his voice reverberated. Slothiel relaxed and eyed him up and down. He stood amazed by the color spectrum of the dragon's scales. Every color of blue he could ever imagine shimmered before him. He sheathed his sword. Elder Derek was right. The first transformation was transformation was impressive, Slothiel said, his body shaking slightly. I was afraid you would be feral. You are a sight to be sure. Oh? he asked. Yes, Slothiel said. Fire spewing from your mouth engulfed by flames. His voice trailed off. Very unnerving. You would have let me be engulfed? He asked in jest. 
his claws digging the earth, his booming voice making Salafiel's chest vibrate. No, Salafiel laughed. I tried to throw water on you. As he said it, Salafiel couldn't help but realize how funny it was. Kordak turned to look at his large wings, which were two times the size of his body. With a flap, the veins in the membrane of his wings began to circulate blood, unfurling the wings to their full size. He moved his tail back and forth, testing each part of his new body. This feels different, he said as he walked on all fours around Salafiel. Salafiel moved to the side cautiously. Even if he tried, he could not be able to touch the dragon's knee. Stand back, brother, Kordok said, his throat expanding and glowing a lighter blue in the cracks of his scales. With a breath, a torrent of fire exploded from his mouth, parting the water and making the river bubble and boil. <laughs> the fire sputtered out in the completion, leaving steam rising from the surface. He looked on with astonishment. That felt a little warm, Kordok growled. His wings began to flap and his back began to rise off the ground. Slothiel shook his head. With the push of his hind legs, Kordok slowly lifted into the air. Flapping harder, he soared into the air with ease. Clouds reflected in the mirror-like scales, causing Sawfield to gasp at the beauty of the dragon before him. Going only a little distance, Kordok circled back around and landed beside him gracefully despite his size. Flying, he said, is like a dream. Kordok laughed, unable to contain his exhilaration, which sounded somewhat like a humming noise. Slothfield grinned. I have to say I'm a little jealous of you right now. Would you care for a ride? Kordok asked, tilting his head to the side. Slothfield shook his head. I think it would be kind of weird. Besides, I'll be able to do it eventually. The weight will be worth it. An odd gleam showed in Kordok's eyes. Hold still, brother, the dragon said as he pounced on him and grabbed him with his massive claws. Lafiel yelped in protest, unprepared for the movement. He felt like a helpless animal at the will of a powerful predator. With a burst of strength, they were in the air, Kordok clutching Slothiel tightly with one claw. Slothiel shivered as the cold air hit them and struggled to keep his eyes open, his eyes rimmed with tears from the wind. The silver ribbon of the river turned into a, th- a line of ink after a few moments, and the trees below looked like small twigs. Kordok glided for a moment, almost hovering in place. I'll get you for this, Slothfield yelled, half laughing. Oh, how so, Kordok questioned as he pivoted and shot down like a falling arrow. Slothfield felt his stomach churn, and he was aware he would not feel his face anymore. I don't feel alarmed by your threats right now, Kordok laughed, and the sound a low, pleasant hum. Slothfield held on tighter, blinking from the wind in his eyes. Gusts of wind whistled by them like the howls of a wild dog. I think we should go faster, Kordok rumbled. Slothfield shook his head, aware that he was a ragdoll in his brother's talons. Okay, I guess I've tortured you enough, he said, taking pity on his brother. He landed softly down on the ground, releasing Slothfield. He sat, breathing heavily as he tried to recover from the experience. Suddenly, Korok's head snapped back towards the sky. He began to growl, his snout tilted upward. He curled his wings into his back and hunkered down low to the ground. What is it? Slothfield asked, rolling away from Korok's claws. He noticed they had landed under the safety of some nearby trees. I saw something, Kordok said, scanning the skies. I didn't. Your new eyes have you seen things, I believe. My vision is keener now. I should not miss. A, bell of, a bellowing roar broke the silence around them. What in you, dear? Slothfield gasped. Another dragon, Kordok said softly, as a dark purple dragon broke through the clouds and circled above them. I should not have flown so high. Slothfield ducked under some trees. You should change back, Slothfield said, eyeing his bright scales. Kordok shook his head. Each time Elder Derek reverts to human form, he makes a blinding bright light that would surely attract our guests even more. We will be found, Slothiel said. At least you're smaller as a human. We can hide. 
Korok replied, in an attack, I still have more advantage as a dragon. Slothfield looked at him, confused. You've just become a dragon. You cannot go toe-to-toe with that thing. There are still more things we need to learn about being dragons. Powerful or not, you don't understand if there is, there no. Well, it is a sword unless you have knowledge of its use, Slothfield said quickly. It's just one. Besides, there are two of us. You will be well hidden. <clears throat> well hidden. Excuse me. There's little to understand about teeth and fire. You just flew for the first time. You cannot expect to understand everything just because you have something newly given to you, Slothiel said alarmed. Besides, this doesn't sound like you. We should continue to stay hidden in case there are more of them. We may only see one, but that doesn't mean there aren't others. The dragon in the sky flew around a measure and hovered in place, obviously searching. Kurok looked around the forest and up at the sky. Stay here. I'm going to fight him. I can beat him, he said arrogantly. Slothiel's face reddened with frustration. I won't be able to help you up there. You shouldn't do this. Your power blinds you. Kordok winked a reptilian eyelid, saying, Stay hidden. I can take him. At least bring me with you. If you you must go, don't go alone, he said desperately. With a burst of wind, Kordok emerged from the forest with a boisterous roar. Slothiel shook his head, knowing Kordok had heard him, but simply chosen to ignore him. His tail flailed like a snake as it rose. Slothiel glared at his brother and kicked at the ground in anger. I can't believe this, he said, a sick feeling in his stomach. The blue dragon emerged from the trees and flapped his wings holding himself in place. The purple dragon was much larger than he had originally thought. The other dragon hissed like a serpent. Kordok noticed the dragon had shorter snout than he did, and its spikes were narrower and looked more like white needles. Its posture suggested it stood on two legs as opposed to its four, as its rear legs hung limply. Who are you? The dragon questioned. No need for introductions, Kordok growled. The dragon smiled in amused expression. Are you Salafiel? No. The dragon laughed puffs of smoke. So Kordok then, the dragon affirmed to himself. Where's Salafiel? It asked. Kordok tried not to look back from where he emerged. I'm alone. I've come to fight you. Fight me, the voice of the dragon deepened. You want to fight with me? Its eyes glowed a bright purple. I am Malak of Mavet, servant of the Seraph. Lot roared and glided towards Kordok, slamming into him with his claws. Kordok reeled then straightened himself with a strong flap of his wings. Seraph, he groaned. Yes, he said. Also, brother of Tassal, Kordok sneered. You're just a war criminal like your brother. Malak kissed and blew smoke from his nostrils. He struck his head out at Kordok with a quick snake-like motion. Kordok did not expect to strike and had no time to react or forgot how to remove it to avoid the impact. All right, guys, I guess I'm going to end it there. Um, my book is actually on sale for Christmas right now. It's $7 as opposed to 12 and it's on sale from $3.99 for the ebook. Now it's $0.99, cents, so it's $7 for print and $0.99 cents for ebook. Uh, I'm going to continue reading these. Eventually, after this readings, I'm going to start doing like uh, fantasy series, like doing reviews and stuff, just to kind of get some fantasy content and various things like that. But again, I, I appreciate you guys listening to this. If you haven't already, followed my author page on Facebook at author MWFin uh, or on Instagram. But again, I appreciate you guys, and I'll continue soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.